0: Hello, welcome to the Carter Report with Pastor John Carter. I'm Dave Dino. Today, an amazing story. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Carter Report team has therefore accepted the challenge of worldwide evangelism. Millions in Russia, Ukraine, the Philippines, Africa, India, Australia, the United States, and the Isles of the Sea, have heard the good news of Christ as John Carter has proclaimed God's living word. You are invited to be a part of the Carter team by praying and by giving, and when God calls, by going. Write a note now to Pastor John Carter, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358, or to P.O. Box 861 Terrigal NSW, 2260 Australia. Jesus said, with God, all things are possible. John, I used the word amazing a moment ago, and that word is thrown around quite a bit by the media, so it has lost some of its meaning. And yet, you have just returned from a trip that certainly does fit the definition of amazing. Where did you go and why?
1: Dave, we went to Papua New Guinea, to the capital city of Port Moresby. We saw there a modern Pentecost. We saw vast crowds of people, more than 100,000 people a night. And we saw the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God as thousands, tens of thousands, perhaps hundreds of thousands of people were turned from sin to righteousness one of the first stories, in fact, I think it was the
0: first story that I heard upon your return was the story
1: of the giant white bird. Tell us about that. It is an amazing story. I know the word amazing is thrown around, as you indicated, but this was amazing. On the Thursday night, the last Thursday night of the meetings, and the meetings had gone for two weeks, something occurred that transfixed many people in the audience. A pastor came to me after the meeting and said, he was walking me home at, at the university, and he said, my people have come to me, all of my people who were in the congregation in this audience of, say, 130,000 people, and they said, when you put the picture, or when your team put the picture of the great white dove, the symbol of the Holy Spirit, on the screen, a great white dove flew over the audience. I was speaking that night on the unpardonable sin, which is the sin against the Holy Spirit. And so as a part of the presentation, we put a picture of this white bird on the screen. He said, when this happened, this white dove, great giant white dove, flew over our heads i said how many saw this he said at least the people who came to me he said i don't know how many other people but he said they're talking about it that was on the thursday night on the friday night we had a great storm of rain that's another story but the meeting proceeded in the rain but on the last saturday night i was at the back of the stage dave And I was talking to the government minister of finance, a cabinet member in the government there. And we were standing at the back of the stage. We could not see the audience. And then I heard a roar coming from the audience, a sound like many waters, as the Bible says. It was not the sound of a people going into battle, but it was a sound of spiritual joy and ecstasy. I did not know what was going on. Pastor Willie G was singing. And so I walked out from the back of the stage and the audience had their hands up and they were praising God. And as they were praising, I had no idea what was going on. But then all of a sudden, a great white bird flashed over my head. Later on, when I went out to greet the people, and we had a vast crowd. Some say we had 150,000 people. I don't know. At least in excess of 130,000, as far as the eye could see. Dave, I said to the people, who here tonight saw the great white bird? They all cried out, we did, we did. Every hand was raised, more than a 100,000 hands raised, testifying that a great white bird, symbol of the Holy Spirit, had flown in slowly over the heads of the audience. I can only say that the people there, the pastors, the government officers, the ambassadors from the different nations said, They saw the great white bird, symbol of the Holy Spirit, and their hearts were strangely warmed. You mentioned
0: 15 nights. You mentioned numbers of people that, for us, here, seem amazing as well. I understand that fifteen nights you began at about seventy five thousand on the first night and and the crowds actually continued to grow every night
1: rapidly for fifteen mm, nights mm. why what what brought the people there um, i can only say to the glory of god it was the it was the spirit of god now we were advertising on television uh, we were somewhat well-known because of the Ministry of 3ABN that has a full broadcast station there in Port Moresby. And we were advertising on a commercial television station and on a commercial radio station. But other people have done that also. But the word got out to the city and across the whole nation of PNG that something extraordinary was happening. And people came by boat from distant islands, and they flew in by plane because they'd heard that surely the Spirit of the Lord was in that place. Let's give people an
0: idea of the country, of the city. Port Moresby.
1: Where is that and how big is that city? Port Moresby is the capital of Papua New Guinea that lies to the north of Australia. Now, we had to fly to Australia, firstly to Brisbane, which is the capital of Queensland, and then we flew on for another three and a half hours to Port Moresby. So it is a very, very large island. The city of Port Moresby is not a huge city by American standards. It is a city of about half a million people, at the very most. But the whole city was stirred by the power of God.
0: When you talk about the city and you talk about the area itself. Hmm. It has a history. And it has a history attached to the gospel. What was this area like,
1: let's say, 100 years ago? Around 100 years ago, it was basically heathen. Uh, The people, many of the people, Dave, were cannibals. They ate their enemies. It Hmm. was one of the Fiercest countries on the face of the earth. It was the land that time forgot. They worshipped their ancestors. They spoke to the spirits. The spirits would come and speak to them. Demonism ruled the hearts of the people. And then missionaries came with the gospel of Christ. And the nation, to a great extent, or much of the nation, was transformed by the grace of God. You had an opportunity, I understand,
0: while you were there to actually go up into the country, up into the mountains. Yes. To uh, an area mm. rarely visited by those who come to the country. Mm. And you were able to actually go visit a church uh, and, and see some of the handiwork of those mm. years of missionary work, weren't
1: you? Yes, We went up the famous Kokoda Trail, up towards the Owen Stanley Track, where the Australians, uh, with the help of the Americans, turned back the Japanese during the Second World War. We were going, we felt, on sacred ground. Thousands and thousands of young men had died there fighting for our freedom, so we went there moved in our own hearts. We went to the Great War Cemetery there. But when we went up in the hills, it was beautiful. The air was so clean and so cool. And we went to a Christian village at a place called Biziatabu. And we were met there by some of the most beautiful people on the face of the earth. They were all dressed in white. These people had once been headhunters and cannibals and murderers and the worshippers of evil spirits. And we were well known there because they watch our television program. They get a clear signal up in the mountains. The Carter Report through 3ABN is beamed clearly into that part of the world. It is quite astounding, really. This program gives them a chance
0: to visit with you again and uh, to hear some of your impressions. You refer to Papua New Guinea as PNG. That's the term used by the locals, right?
1: Yes, and by people who, in Australia, they call it PNG, uh, because if Australians can shorten something they will. And so we usually call it PNG, Papua New Guinea.
0: You went there during a time when they were having national elections yes and a bit unlike our elections Mm. there's a lot of violence involved in their elections Mm. Uh, why did you choose to go at that time
1: uh well it's any time we could get this great outdoor stadium so you go when you can go the government the australian government advised us not to go on their website they said don't go to papua new guinea at this time of the elections because there's going to be bloodshed. There always is bloodshed at the time of the elections. But this was the only time when we could get the vast national outdoor stadium. It was available. It was not available any other time. And so we went in the name of the Lord and we put our lives in the hands of God and God blessed us.
0: What's the culture like? My understanding is that there is rampant unemployment
1: Yes. In Papua New Guinea. Yes, there is. There is rampant unemployment. Some people are very, very wealthy. There are millionaires and maybe a few billionaires, Dave. But most people live on a couple of dollars a day. So you have some areas of of Port Moresby, which are beautiful, almost like America. Beautiful homes. But many of the people are bound by the chains of of poverty. And of course, poverty can help breed terrorism and crime and every other social disorder. And so this part of the world is often racked with crime and, and uh, violence. You don't wander around the streets generally by yourself.
0: In that kind of atmosphere, what can the gospel do?
1: the gospel is the only hope of the world. Now, I know we become engrossed with politics. I'm not saying anything against politics, but the hope of the world, Dave, is not politics. The hope of the world is Christ, the Bible, the teachings of the Bible. When we went there, the Spirit of God was so marvelously manifested that the the powers of darkness were beaten back. Now, I meet people who find these things quite impossible to believe. That is because they're not really in touch with the Spirit of God. But when we get in touch with the Spirit of God, that which is impossible becomes a divine possibility. The prime minister himself said to me, he said, I say this to you, he said, you have blessed the whole nation. By this, he meant that the meetings... And the preaching of the gospel had blessed the whole nation. And during the meetings, we did not see any evidence of crime at all. One night, the police were alarmed because they found a couple of bullets lying on the ground. It's easy to be killed when you have an audience of 150,000 people, and some of those people have been engaged in crime. But during the meetings, there was a sweet peace. There was no evidence of agitation. There was not a whisper. Even the little children were transfixed. Uh, you could sense, Dave, that the Spirit of God was in the meetings.
0: You're listening to the Carter Report with Pastor John Carter. I'm Dave Dino, and we're talking about your recent trip to Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby. Mm. PNG. PNG. <laughs> I take it by your Hmm. comments that you really never felt uh, in danger? You had no sense of uh, danger? You were not afraid for your life?
1: Whenever I walk out to a big audience, I say to Beverly, my wife, uh, Beverly, uh, we have trust in God, but tonight may be the night when I am assassinated. We are immortal until our work on earth is done. So my life is in God's hands. But when I walked out on the stage night after night, I felt no fear, not a tiny bit. I felt the presence of the angels of God. I did not feel anxious at all. I knew that I was in the hands of God, and I knew that the Spirit of God had taken charge of the meetings.
0: 130 to 150,000 people. Mm. Starting at 75, growing quickly.
1: Yes.
0: Over 15 nights. You preached for 15 nights. Yes. Was there ever a point? Was there ever a night? when you just felt so exhausted that, to yourself, you said, I wish I didn't have to do this tonight?
1: Uh, Dave, I'm no longer a boy. I wish I were. But I've been in this work now for 50 years. Glory be to God. That's a long time. I tell folks, you know, my hair is no longer what it used to be. It's got sort of white. But I say to them, but if you pull it, 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 it's mine. (laughs) But but, Dave, there were some nights. It is true. Uh, We would have a crisis a day. When you're running a campaign like this, what people see is the tip of the iceberg. People have no idea at all what's going on. You have a crisis with electricity. You have a crisis with the projectors. You have a crisis with the computers you have a crisis with the music it goes on and on and on is a crisis every day you have a crisis with the people who are uh renting you the stadium you have a lot of opposition yes. from
0: the enemy and by yes. the enemy yes. we yes. mean you know the powers and principalities yes, of, of the world the enemy mm. is is mm. satan
1: i felt every night that we were engaged in a spiritual battle i would call the team together and i'd say we are engaged in spiritual warfare here. Mm -hmm. We must stay together, we must pray together, because we are fighting the devil here. Mm -hmm. We're actually fighting the devil. Some nights, Dave, my team would get with me because I would feel exhausted. They'd say, Mm -hmm. what's he gonna do tonight? Mm -hmm. He's completely exhausted. Uh, I'd go down there, I'd sit down, and they'd get me some food to eat, and food is always a problem in those countries, And sometimes as I walked out on the stage and there would be well over 100,000, say 140,000 people, I would say to myself, I can't do this. But then I would feel a mantle of power come upon me. Now some people say, you know, this is simply your adrenaline. No, 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 far more than adrenaline. I know what adrenaline is. I know what a a rush from adrenaline is. I know just ordinary excitement, but I would feel a mantle of power come upon me and team members would say, it's happened again. It's happened again. My mind would become so clear. A million thoughts would be surging through my mind and my mouth could not keep up with the words. The other day, I was looking at some of the programs that we shot because we took a full television crew, and these videos uh, or DVDs will be made available. When I look at them, I can see how I am transfixed by the power of God. I would have limitless energy. I would run around the stage. I would feel the power of God, and the people in the audience felt the power too. They sensed the power, and the power was flowing out to them and coming back to me, and it was coming down from God. People say, we've, we've never had that experience. Well, my friend, God, I say to them, God only gives that experience when it is needed. Now, when I have preached in this church, as I've done so many times, hundreds of times in our beautiful church, I say this, I confess it, I've never had that experience. But when God saw that the need was extraordinary, God gave me extraordinary power. And that is why the dove came. And that is why when we had altar calls, tens of thousands of people came down the front to give their lives to Christ.
0: What was the attraction? Why do you think, I mean, this is unheard of, 15 nights Mm -hmm. of huge crowds, people continuing to come. Yes. What was the attraction? What brought those people there?
1: Why did they want to come? Uh, Dave, I will cut to the, get to the bottom line. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, Romans 1, 16 and 17. There is no other power in the world that compares to the gospel of Christ. When I go to a place like PNG, now this surprises some of my supporters i say i do not go there primarily to make these people members of my church they say well well why should we ever support you i go there with a far higher calling i go there to preach christ and if they become members of my church which i encourage them to do and i baptize them it has to be in the context that first and foremost they come to Christ. So every night I talk about Christ. I talk about the blood atonement, Christ on the cross. People say, nobody would listen to that stuff. No, that's the the stuff. We shouldn't call it stuff, but that's the material that people will listen to. That's That's the power of God. When I preach on the cross of Christ, every night I made Christ the center of every meeting. Even when I spoke on astronomy, It is Christ, the the Lord of creation. And when you preach with the Spirit of God and you preach on the blood of Christ, I believe in the blood of Christ. When people say, what is your religion? I say, first and foremost, I'm a Christian and I'm under the blood of Christ. And secondly, I believe in sola scriptura. I believe in the Bible and the Bible alone. I don't believe in the traditions of men. And then I say, then I am an Adventist because I believe in the coming of the Lord and I believe in the keeping of the commandments, including the Sabbath. But unless you have a hierarchy of spiritual values, you're not going to be a Christian. You're not going to be anything. And so the power of the meetings is the preaching of Christ. That it doesn't depend upon us, it depends upon him.
0: It's a great lesson, and I hear you sharing this lesson uh, right here and at this point with those who perhaps are uh, young in ministry. Yes. That nothing addresses the need of the human heart and soul. Mm, amen. Like the gospel.
1: No. Uh, I like a good psychology sermon now and then. You know, I like those things because I, I need that sort of help, and we all do because of sin, but ultimately the cry of the human heart is not met by anything but by the gospel because of sin. Sin came into the world, and there's only one antidote to sin, and that is the blood of Christ. And whether you are a person in PNG or a Hindu to whom we preached in India, or a Muslim, or a Roman Catholic, or a Baptist, or a Pentecostal, or an Adventist. We all need the blood of Christ because of sin.
0: Who did you preach to? one hundred fifty thousand people. Mm. That that's so vast. Yes. Hard for us to picture in our mind. Yes. Fortunately, we have pictures. Mm. One of the things I love about the uh, newsletter <laughs> yeah. that you provide for people mm. is that you give us pictures, and, uh, and the current newsletter has some great pictures yeah, in amazing, it. Aren't they? amazing are not they are not they? It's tremendous. <laughs> you get a sense yeah. of the uh, crowd there. But who made up this crowd?
1: Um, the crowd was made up of different stratas of society. We had ambassadors, as I mentioned, from different countries. They were attracted. We had government ministers. Uh, One night we had 12 or 14 newly sworn in uh, ministers of the government. They came and they responded in the altar call and they stayed behind for prayer. We put our hands upon them and prayed that God would so fill their lives with the Spirit of God that they would keep the commandments of God, that they would be upright and honest and thus be a blessing to the nation. That's what we want our politicians to be. Mm. We want our politicians to be first and foremost, not Republicans or Democrats or Independents, but people who recognize the Lordship of Christ. I'm not talking about trying to impose religion upon the people. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about personal accountability to God. Because if you respect God, you're going to respect man. But if you don't respect God, how can you respect man who was made in the image of God? You're not going to. That's why communism collapsed in Russia. And so the people who came, there were politicians, there were families, beautiful families, husbands and wives and their children. Not making a sound. The children, marvelous. No cell phones going off. You know why? the people have a sense of reverence for God. Mm. They think that a person who brings a cell phone into church and the phone goes off, they think that they are the most heathen people. Mm. <laughs> they say, we used to be heathen. Now we, we've we gone to places and cell phones. They say, these people need missionaries. <laughs> and so, families, university students, Pacific Adventist University, which is a Great university outside Port Moresby. It's, it's a great credit to the people there. It's marvellous. A great university. They sent uh, 12 busloads of university students every night. They started with one busload, but they were almost going to get riots because the others wanted to come. So in the end, they paid for 12 buses to bring students. Some of those were baptised into Christ. So you had everybody you could think of you had poor people and you had wealthy people you had people on two dollars a day and people who were multi multi-millionaires side by side side by side packed in um, like sardines in a mm. can
0: i've seen some of the pictures mm. it is people for as far as the eye can yes. see yes. and even then tens of thousands Beyond that, yes. in the areas that were dark at night, mm. unlit, mm. and yet the people continued to come far out beyond you, way to the side of, yes. of your platform and stage that you were preaching from, uh, an amazing, mm. vast audience A vast of audience. people. What kind mm. of comments, I mean, you're, you're talking to all these people at once, yes. but you met with people mm. and talked with them individually. What kind of comments?
1: did you receive from them? Um, Dave, uh, exceedingly refreshing. Um, They have their problems, we know. But cynicism is not one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They believe with a childlike faith. That's what Jesus told us. He said, unless we're converted and become his little children, we're not gonna be saved. And they do have a childlike faith. They believe that that great white bird was sent from God. Now, if you talk to people in Australia or in America, they'll give you a thousand rational reasons why those things don't happen. Mm. Uh, but those people up there, they have a childlike faith, and I think God respects and honors their faith. Um, well, the meeting started at 6 o'clock in the evening as the sun went down, and, uh, because then we were going to get the f- projectors fired up, mm-hmm. uh, so we couldn't do that in the daylight. And then I would be preaching around 10 past seven. And I'd finish preaching about 10 past eight. I believe that sermonettes make Christianettes. (laughs) And so 60 minutes of preaching the gospel and preaching with all my soul. And then I'd have an altar call, usually. that would take another half hour. So we we got some criticisms. The criticisms were that the meetings were too short. And then we told the folks... After we had gone, you know, for 15 nights, for more than two weeks, we said, it's coming to a close. They were bitterly disappointed. They Mm. said, stay, stay, stay. Uh. As I left the airport, left uh, to come back, flying back to Australia, then back to the U.S., a young man came. He worked for the uh, security at the airport. He said, let me carry your bag. I said, thank you. So he carried my bag and came down to where I was getting on the plane. He gave me back my bag. And then there were a number of white people from Australia getting on the plane. They were Australians who were probably living in that part of the world. Uh, On the whole, I don't think they came to the meetings. But this young man burst out into tears. He's a grown man. He's crying. He said, I don't want you to go.
0: And at that point... We're going to come back and finish that story in just a moment as you listen to The Carter Report with John Carter. Millions around the world have attended The Carter Report programs and seen the wonders of biblical archaeology. From the treasures of King Tutankhamun to the great pyramids of Giza, vast audiences have walked with John Carter the dusty roads of ancient Egypt. The journey has continued as the masses have gazed upon the palaces of Petra and the stones of Herod's temple. The largest secular crowds attending religious meetings anywhere have exclaimed, At last, here is evidence to believe in God. Please support the Carter Report in its unique mission. Write to John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358, or Post Office Box 861, Terragal, New South Wales, 2260, Australia. Once again, that address is The Carter Report, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358, or Post Office Box 861, Terragal, New South Wales, 2260, Australia. Welcome back to the Carter Report with Pastor John Carter. I'm Dave Dino. We're talking about a recent trip that John and his team made to Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby, for a series of meetings, crusades if you will, where upwards of 130 to 150,000 people attended meetings every night for 15 nights. An amazing response. We were talking just a moment ago about the individual response that you received from people, and I interrupted you in a story that I'd really like to hear the end of, and that is you were talking about how people reacted to you and reacted to the meetings, and what was happening when you were about to leave the country boarding a plane? What happened?
1: I was about to get on the flight, Dave, and this young man from PNG, and who was worked at the airport, a security officer. He broke down. He, he started to cry. And he put his arms around him. He said, I don't want you to go. Now, somebody who hadn't attended the meetings, who was going back to Australia, came to me, a lady, and she said, excuse me, he doesn't want you to go. He's crying. I said, yes. She said, why? I said, because... He's been blessed. Now, she found that very hard to understand because for so many people in the Western world today, including Australia, uh, this book is no longer relevant. Mm. Uh, They don't believe in the preaching of the gospel. In fact, they don't believe in the God of the Bible. But she was astounded that here was a, a local who was so touched by the meetings that He didn't want us to go.
0: Let's talk about some of the, uh, the details mm. of your trip. Mm. I have written down here that you flew in a large quantity of equipment mm. from America. Mm. You also shipped in a full container load of Bibles and other items. Why didn't you just use local materials, let's
1: say? Uh, local materials are very hard to come by at any sort of a reasonable price. Now we built a stage, uh, a person who came with us, a young pastor came with us, he said, this is bigger than a, than a rock concert. <laughs> and, and this is true, a huge stage. Uh, the biggest screens I'd ever seen in that part of the world. And then we fly in these huge video projectors. You can't get them there. Nobody's got them there. Mm. And so if you're going to do this, it's got to be done on an, on an enormous scale. This is taxing. This is expensive. But if you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly. You said it's expensive. Yes. How do you get the funds for this? This is quite extraordinary because we don't beg for money. But we are doing what God has told us to do, what God has told the church to do. The Bible actually says, Jesus said, go into all the world, make Mm -hmm. disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. People say, well, um, that's not really relevant today. Uh, It's an interesting thing, Dave, that Jesus didn't say go into all the church and make disciples of all nations we preach in churches i preach in churches but the great emphasis of the bible is that the church needs to be relevant and to go into all the world now we take this seriously and we've done this in places where people say you're going to be killed and you can't do that and it's impossible to do Uh, we've gone to india russia and ukraine and south africa and We've gone to places where people say it can't happen, but it does happen. And we have partners around the world who still believe. They still believe in the Bible, and they believe in the gospel, and they believe in putting money where it's going to do the most good. And the best thing that people can do with their money is to put it into souls, saving lost souls, who are going to shine in the kingdom of God forever and ever. That's why people send us money.
0: I want to talk for a moment about the messages that you bring. Mm-hmm. You go to countries where the gospel is not the dominant philosophy. Some countries, at least, Some yes. Some of the countries. Yes. How are you able to bring the gospel into your messages in that type of environment?
1: Uh, Dave, we have a completely unorthodox philosophy to most churches. Even in my own church, I have a a different philosophy of ministry. I believe that the church, I believe that I am, I believe that every gospel minister is called to reach the lost. Now, I believe that people are lost outside of Christ. Now, Mm -hmm. not everybody believes this. Mm. I believe there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. I do not believe that we are saved because we join a church. I do not believe that we are necessarily saved because we are religious or any of those things. I believe we need to have a divine encounter with Christ and the Word. Now, this is the core of my belief. It is an apostolic biblical belief. Therefore, we set out to reach non-believers. And that's most of the world. Uh, I've opened for years on biblical archaeology on Egypt. I show them the wonders of ancient Egypt as it correlates to the Bible. Mm. This leads into Bible prophecy. There's nothing that's going to convince an unbeliever quicker than an understanding of Bible prophecy. Prophecy proves that this is not an ordinary book. It is quite extraordinary. Mm -hmm. On my second night or my third night, I'm into astronomy. And I show some of the most amazing discoveries that most Christians are completely oblivious Mm. to. Some of the most amazing discoveries that indicate that there must be a great designer in the universe. Extraordinary stuff. And this captivates the minds and the ears of unbelievers. And therefore, we say this humbly, we've been told this, we have the largest numbers of secular people attending religious meetings anywhere on the face of the planet. Say that again. We have the largest numbers of non-churched people attending religious meetings anywhere on the face of the planet, of any religious system. Now, I so support people who go and they evangelize the church. (laughs) 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 And they preach the gospel to vast numbers of church members. And they encourage those church members to bring loved ones. Is that good? No, it's beyond good. It's wonderful. But in those great audiences, they may have 5% of the audience being the unchurched. Often in our meetings, only 5% of the audience is the churched. 95% of the people are complete unbelievers, Mm -hmm. agnostics, atheists, communists, Hindus, and whatever you wish to call them. And we believe... This is biblical, and we believe that one of the great tragedies today in Christianity is that Christians are preaching to the choir, Mm. and the choir's heard it all anyhow.
0: 100,000, 130,000, 150,000 people. What do you preach to them? What do you say?
1: Well, firstly, as uh, I indicated, I open on somewhat of a secular topic. Mm -hmm. Uh, I open on the wonders of ancient Egypt, and I talk about some of the pharaohs who are mentioned in the Bible, I talk about Queen Hatshepsut, whose body has only recently been discovered. And I Mm -hmm. advertise this on television with ads that are shot in the Middle East. And some of the ads say, uh, I'm standing in front of the bearded queen. Who was she? Why did Pharaoh disfigure her face? Mm -hmm. And why was her mummy lost for uh, 3,500 years? This captivates the unbeliever's mind as it ought to. But then, as time goes by, I quickly progress from archaeology and astronomy into the prophecies and the teachings of the Bible. And I use this book every night. And then very quickly, I move by about the fourth or the fifth night. I'm even dealing with the prophecy of Daniel 9 that talks about the coming of the Messiah after so many years. And then I'm very quickly into a meeting on the man who wrote his own life story, before he was born. And that is the Christ, a Bible prophecy. And in that meeting by about the fifth night, I'm actually talking about the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Uh, Then I have a meeting that follows very quickly in which I I deal with the great problem of the human race. Is it political? Is it economic? Is it, like Karl Marx said, economic, political? Is it uh, genetic? Uh, Are we what we are because we were made that way? Mm -hmm. So I I deal with all of these questions, and the crowds uh, of unbelievers respond to these things. But I quickly go from the secular to the intensely spiritual. I did not say religious. Mm. Our meetings are not very religious. Mm. But then neither is God. (laughs) Jesus was not especially religious. Remember, the religious people put him on the cross. So religion gets a pretty bad rap in the Bible. One person said, almost all religion is bad. Well, look around the world today. They're all killing each other in the name of religion. So we don't talk religion. We talk the goodness of God and the greatness of Christ. And that is why you
0: have seen such... A wonderful response
1: oh I think it's got to be the Holy Spirit bears witness according to his word
0: like anyone in such an undertaking you don't travel alone you have a team of people who go mm. with you small team I would venture to say that perhaps for you personally mm. the most important person on that team is your wife Beverly
1: Beverly has gone on these trips for so many many years and uh, when she went to Russia and places like that, she had a special calling to, to visit orphanages and, we, and tried to bless the orphans by giving them what they needed, not what they wanted, but what they needed. And uh, she also has a special ministry of praying. Mm. So when I'm preaching, she is invariably at the back of the stage praying. Years
0: ago, Before my wife and I were married, we were reading a little bit about male-female relationships, husband-wife relationships. Mm -hmm. And there was something I have not to this day forgotten. Hmm. Uh, The nature of a man as compared to a woman. Hmm. And it said that men are adventure seekers. We seek adventures in life. And all too often... We will treat the woman in our life like she's the adventure. And once we accomplish the adventure, we leave it behind and we go on to another adventure. And that, of course, leaves the woman feeling left out. You don't do that. You include your wife, which is what this little lesson was all about. So uh, a little marital help here for all of us. And that is to include your wife... Mm-hmm. In the adventure and it seems to me that's what you do with Beverly.
1: Well Beverly has a ministry uh, Beverly is called by God to do ministry the same as I am. Mm-hmm. I believe that women are called just as much as men sometimes more so
0: You talked about these meetings and having the feeling of Pentecost why
1: um. Well, Pentecost was an extraordinary outpouring of the divine spirit. We had in those meetings, those vast meetings, this this same experience. We had the visitation of what they said was the dove of God that came. Uh, On the last night, the last Saturday night, we just baptized around 3,000 people in the morning and I had an altar call for people who wanted to join them in baptism. Dave, I've never seen anything quite like it. For the first time in my life, I felt I had to restrain the audience. That was the night when everybody had seen the white dove. The people came forward in a flood. Most nights they had been reticent. i had had to work to get them to come forward. Hmm. They came in a trickle, then it became hundreds, then it mm-hmm. became thousands. And often we would have an altar call with six to ten, twelve, fifteen thousand people. But on the last night, Dave, it seemed as though the whole audience was being supernaturally moved. I would think with the people who were raising their hands and trying to come down the front. You see, you can't come if everything is blocked, if everything is closed up, every avenue is closed. Mm -hmm. I would think the people who responded would have been 100,000 people, maybe more. Oh my. People everywhere trying to come down the front, people struggling to come down the front, and people who couldn't come down the front raising hands. That to me is an amazing manifestation of of Pentecost. I do not believe that Pentecost needs to be an experience in the dim, distant future. I believe that if the church were to take seriously the teachings of the Bible seriously, we would see Pentecost everywhere. Well, you talk about
0: taking the gospel seriously. You mentioned earlier in our talk that there was a night when you preached in the rain. Now, here, if it's a baseball Not game... Not by choice. <laughs> no. If yeah. it's a baseball game here, yes. we call the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you call the meeting that night? What happened? On the final Friday night, this was tremendously important. Because we were having a big baptism the next day, I needed to talk to the people who are going to be baptized. We don't just baptize people in a casual way. And as I went out to preach, or no, before I went out to preach, as I was getting ready to preach, the heavens opened up. And the rain came down in a flood. Everything was sopping. Uh, We turned the PA off. We thought it would blow up. Wow. Uh, We turned the projectors off because they were starting to sizzle. Water was getting through. We thought, we're going to blow up these great projectors. Then we won't have a program. Uh, We had there on that Friday night, say, 130 thousand people who were sitting there, and they were getting soaked through and through. How many left? None. And we wow. talk about faith. We talk yeah. about devotion. We talk about being strong. They're the strong ones. The children, children running away? No. Everybody, you can, we have actually got it on video. Some of them produced umbrellas and other things they put over their heads, nobody left. And so David said, and David had great faith, he said, Turn on the PA. If it blows up, it blows up. David, your son. Yes, Bob Ludwig, who were working the PA with their team, turned it on. And we put on some great music, and the people started <laughs> to reach it. They, they lit up, okay. the music's on. Then we said, turn on the projectors. Raining, turn them on. When the projectors came on, everybody cheered. And then I walked out and preached in the rain. I said to my team, "Uh, I'm going to preach the Word of God tonight. Uh, Couldn't use the pulpit because the, the stand, the water was running off it. Water everywhere. And I went out and I preached in the rain, and the Spirit of God came down upon me. And they say, I preached better than I'd ever preached before. (laughs) They said, I needed just a little more rain. You
0: mentioned uh, baptism. Yes. You baptized many, many in the Ella River. What was that like?
1: Yeah, Ella Beach in the Ah. sea. Well, the police had to get me there. When I got down there, I couldn't get to the beach, so the police came and made a path for me. And I stood on the back of a truck that was perched precariously on a rock overlooking the sea. And we had a great PA system. We had 50 or 60 pastors out in the water, including one of the ambassadors from another country, representing his country.
0: An ambassador from another country? Yeah, an ambassador who
1: was also an ordained minister. Ah. And he was baptizing. And so... It was marvellously organised. We baptised, conservatively speaking, some people said 5,000. I don't believe that's uh, accurate. Uh, We had uh, an independent count, and uh, our count was around 3,000. In fact, to be specific, Um, (laughs) 2,850. That night, when we had the great altar call, more than another 3,000 requested baptism the next weekend, another 3,000 besides the people who had been baptized. And the next Sabbath, everyone, bar none, went to church. Everybody who had been baptized turned up at church. We gave them a Bible as a gift from the Carter Report. And all the other folks who wanted to be baptized turned up also. So consequently, all of the churches were overwhelmed. They couldn't hold the people. The great weakness was not in the gospel or the Holy Spirit, was that we were not ready. Mm -hmm. The churches, they said, this is Pentecost, but the churches couldn't hold all of the people, standing room only, having to go to two sessions
0: why do you do this i mean this is a lot of effort
1: yes it is a lot of effort you have Mm -hmm. traveled
0: far and wide Mm -hmm. and you have to fund this all on Mm -hmm. your own Mm -hmm. you don't receive uh, support of an organization for Mm -hmm. this why do you do this
1: because it is the will of god every minister ought to do this we have become so traditional and so bound by the rules of men I do it because the Bible commands it. I am an ordained minister of the gospel. John Wesley said to the archbishop who told him to go home, he said, my Lord archbishop, my parish is the world. I plan to keep on preaching. God has given us the world as our parish. The Lord is coming soon and the world is on the road down to hell. And therefore, I am compelled by the Holy Spirit to do it. I don't do it because I'm paid to do it. I don't do it because I am given budgets to do it. I do it because I believe in Christ and I believe in the Bible. And I pray that the day will come soon when the Spirit of God will come upon the church and every minister will have a motivation to take the gospel to the lost.
0: We have just a moment left together. And I love our talks together. Thank you. They're always fascinating. I do. And I want to give you a chance to share with those who watch and those who have known you over time Mm. a chance for you to share just the heart
1: of your personal faith. Uh, Dave, the heart of my personal faith, I believe in the reality of God, I believe in the sacredness of Holy Scripture. I believe in, the, in a personal relationship with the Lord of the universe. I believe in Christ, the Lord of the universe, who became a man and bore our sins on the cross. I, this is the heart of my faith, Christ, that he rose from the dead, that he intercedes in heaven, and he will come in power and great glory. I believe that day is soon. I believe the world has got far too much religion. I believe what the world needs is more of genuine Christianity, more of Christ and less of me, more of Christ and more taking seriously the words of Christ, less playing God and more obeying God.
0: It's a good place for all of us to begin in our walk with the Lord. This is the Carter Report with Pastor John Carter. I'm Dave Dino.
2: Lord, when you placed your hand upon me, I knew that I would never be the same. For in that moment I became your servant. And since that day, I only have one aim. My sole desire is to be used, an empty vessel longing to be filled by you my soul desire is to serve you Lord to do your perfect will to work each day and build your kingdom
0: this is my soul desire